When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown podcast presented by Mass Live. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo. Today, uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. You know, we've been talking about the Red Sox kind of nonstop. We heard from Sam Kennedy a couple weeks ago and Chris Smith uh, right before the weekend about uh, his impressions and, and our impressions of what the Red Sox, the big league team, have looked like for the first uh, seven games of the year. But now we're going to be uh, going down, uh, going a little west, talking about the Worcester Red Sox and starting to preview uh, their first season at Polar Park. So excited to be joined by Matt Votor, our columnist at Mass Live, and Katie Morrison, who recently joined us to cover the Woo Sox. They've both been out to Polar Park, which I haven't gotten the chance to do yet. Hopefully that'll happen soon. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Woo Sox for a few minutes, and then we'll hear Later on, Chris Smith will uh, will join us and we'll talk about kind of a roster preview, what fans are going to be expecting to see once the Woo Sox start playing games, some of the key players to watch, some familiar names for Red Sox fans, obviously. But uh, we'll start with Katie and Matt here. Katie, first of all, welcome uh, for your Fenway Rundown debut. It's a big moment in your, uh, your Mass Live career. Um, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll start with what your impressions are for of Polar Park. You know, I know you've been over there a few times, and um, I know it must be a little bit weird being in a ballpark that's not completely a finished product, but what have you thought of what you've seen over there? Yeah, it's, it's strange. I mean, uh, I think the first time I've, went there was maybe three four weeks ago and every time I go in there's something new um it's just it's crazy how much it changes from from day to day but um my first impressions are you know I've lived in Worcester uh you know for a few years now and um I've driven by that site that (laughs) was a dirt lot you know a few years ago and to see you know um the park up and functioning right now is, is pretty crazy. Um, you know, as from a baseball perspective, I mean, once you're sitting in, in the seats, you know, watching the players on the field, uh, if you ignore the, the, um, backbows and stuff out in center field, it feels like, you know, a finished ballpark. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to see, but then once you go up to the concourse there, there are still, there's still a lot to be done, but, um, you know, I think they're they're happy to have a, a little more time to finish some things, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see it, you know, kind of take shape. Matt, you were there for the first time, right, in the last few days. No, this is my second time. Okay. I've been I've been there, but um, the thing that struck me the other day, and and I was there on a uh, on a really nice weather day. Is it's a nice place. It's going to be a nice place to watch a baseball game. 
they'll you know they'll figure out the concessions and all the other stuff that that's still going on i don't know what the status of, of restrooms or or any of that is but when you're sitting in the seats in the park and i sat i watched a little bit um sitting down below on the first baseline and then i sat a little bit um up above behind the plate it's a nice place to watch a game it, it will be um I think a really kind of enjoyable experience for, for people to, to see baseball up close. And just, can you tell, I know it's, it's uh, kind of in a, in a unique spot, but does it feel to either one of you, like um, Wister's starting to embrace this and excitement's building any of that? Well, certainly when you look at the fact that they, they sold, they set, they specifically set a cap for the number of full season season tickets they they were going to sell because they didn't they didn't want the only people to to be in the park to be season ticket holders which might have happened had they put them all out that way but they they capped it and they sold every every one of them um so it certainly seems like that there's some excitement on that and just from from people i know that are baseball people they asked me if i've seen it and they tell they talk about look being you know looking forward to seeing it so i do think there's a buzz i think the sort of uncertainty of of how many people are they going to let in? And so I, I think I think when they when things are normal enough that they can just open the doors and and fill every seat, I think I think is when people will really be excited because I think there will be a perception at the beginning that people aren't sure if they can get tickets because mm-hmm. they're not sure about about um, about capacities and so forth. But I, I think uh, I think when things are free to go, I, I think it's, it's going to be a very popular product. I would just add to that, you know, um, the whole area around the park is really starting to, um, you know, buzz with anticipation. I mean, um, Kelly Square, that whole area has been revamped, the Canal District. Um, it really is starting to feel like an area where, you know, they have the idea that for Saturday games, um, you know, they'd be at um, they'd be in the afternoon and then you'd have people go out to the restaurants, um, in, in the area afterwards. And, um, I really feel like it's starting to become like an area where a lot is going to be happening. You know, we hear a lot about like the Worcester Renaissance or, or whatnot. And, um, and I, I really feel like, you know, there's, there, it's starting to, there's a different buzz ar- around the area now than, um, even just like a year or two ago. I think it's oh. interesting. Like Sorry, a, a friend of mine, Josh Maurer is the, is the, is the play-by-play guy for the, for the Worcester, uh, for the Worcester Red Sox. And he hadn't spent a ton of time in Worcester um, before this. He, he had been in Pawtucket with the team as well. And I, and I grew up in Westboro uh, and spent plenty of time in Worcester. And Worcester was kind of, was kind of dingy for a long time. And so to listen to him talk about now that he's moved to, Worcester about be kind of excited to try this place and that place and and so forth and, and really kind of feel like he's going to be in a, a fun living in a fun neighborhood and and have fun things around and people didn't talk about Worcester like that for a long time so the fact that they are is is uh is I think encouraging and as somebody that's been a central mass guy you know for a lot of my life it's kind of fun to see yeah I remember everybody at home that Westboro is in fact the lesser borough um and that is something that we always need to point out when Matt Matt brings it up I like the Chris. I like the Chris when when he starts talking about something Central Mass related. You can start to hear the Central Mass accent show up a little bit, which isn't normally part of his thing. But all of a sudden, we're talking about uh, the Wista Red Sox a little bit more with with Chris today. Which uh, let, let's. Well, that's, that's how you say it. 
That's nice. So we're generating buzz. Um, obviously, the schedule uh, changed significantly for this team. Um, you know, it was supposed to start uh, already, and now uh, it's been pushed back a month. The home opener at Polar Park is going to be on May 11th um, against Buffalo. Um, so, Katie, from your understanding, would this park have been completely ready if they had to start like last week? Because it doesn't seem like it. I don't think so. Um, you know, they're, I think that they're very, um, uh, what's the word? I don't know. It was kind of serendipitous that, that this happened yeah. this way. Um, you know, I think their focus um, at the end of March and the, yeah, the end of March was to make sure all of the baseball facilities were ready. So the clubhouse, the weight room, um, the dugouts, the field. So, you know, that, those areas are definitely, they look baseball ready, but uh, I mean, concession stands, I mean, there's still, it's still a hard hat area. Uh, and, you know, um, obviously this, this past year has presented plenty of, of challenges, but uh, I think they're probably happy that they have been able to get the field up and ready and welcome players to, a, you know, a nice new park and, right. uh, they'll worry about the rest. Uh, they'll cross that bridge when they get to it, I think. <laughs> I'm, wondering Matt, how, you... I'm wondering how it slowed. I'm wondering how they changed the agenda or the schedule when they realized things slowed down. Like, I, would they have been able to, to play a game in, in Polar Park on, on April 4th? Maybe. Like, or would they, or April, like, what, I guess 11th would have been the, would have been the home opener, I think. But, yeah. Uh, would they have been able to do that with not all the amenities in place? Perhaps. I would, I wonder if, it has slowed down a little bit by design because it could. Uh, Matt, do you have any, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, but have they set what they expect the capacity to be uh, when they open up? I'm guessing this is, and this is speculation. I'm guessing it'll be whatever the, they, if the state says 12%, the same way it is at, at Fenway and in the garden, mm-hmm. I, it'll be 12% at, at Polar Park. I, I think I, I don't imagine it. It would be less than that. I, I think, from a financial standpoint, I think they they I think they're they're probably eager to. And and you figure a month from now, we're that much more vaccinated as a as a state, as a community, yeah. as a country. That that it's I, I would guess that uh, that the twelve that it's either twelve percent or whatever the state has reset the number the number to. I think I think they will be at the same number. Yeah, Sam Kennedy on here a couple of weeks ago um, said that the expectation would be in May that they'd raise the cap at Fenway, maybe 25%. So I think that's definitely a possibility for Worcester. Uh, kind of to wrap up, during, Katie, you've seen a few of the Sim games, and, and obviously there's there's stuff going on over there. Um, I know you haven't gotten the opportunity to talk to players uh, at this point, and, and that's uh, c- coming hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But um, have you gotten any sense of, of how players and, and coaches and, and those types of people have uh, have started enjoying the, the uh, transition to Worcester? Yeah, I think that they, the, the general sense is that they are happy to, you know, have these new facilities. Obviously, McCoy was a, a pretty old ballpark. And, yeah. you know, um, it, it's... 
it's also that I was there for the first, uh, the the first home run. I don't know if we want to call it that since there are no, no fans, that's, that's, that's history. We'll count yeah, it. it is. It is what it is. Right? And, uh, and I mean, these guys were aware of it, you know, they were like, Oh, Hey, first, first home run at Polar Park. And, you know, they're, they're into it. They, I feel like they, you know, um, as time goes on, especially as, um, they can get more involved in the community, like these guys will be, eager to kind of uh you know join the the Worcester community it's it's a little tough right now obviously but um yeah I I think they're 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 happy to be here and um we're happy to have them (laughs) Matt your impressions on that yeah I, I spoke to um I spoke to Paul Abbott for the pitching coach for a little while yesterday um about about just kind of what it is and he seemed to uh he seemed to think the guys appreciated both being in a new park and then kind of figuring it out. Like, how is this park going to play? How's, how's it going to be from an offensive standpoint, from a defensive standpoint? And he said that there's, uh, there's some added energy this year compared to last year a little bit because they know there's games on the other end of it. Last year, I mm-hmm. think they knew from the beginning that there probably wasn't going to be a full, you know, there wasn't going to be a season. And, right. and so I, I think, I think there's some, excitement i think there's some, some spirit and so the fact that everything's everything is new and happening at the uh happening off at the at the same time um i think i think they're i think they're excited about it and i think that that will translate to people being excited about it as well that's matt votor that's katie morrison talking about polar park and the woo Sox. on the other end of this break we'll have chris smith coming and doing what he does best previewing a minor league roster so uh thanks guys for hopping on we're back with part two of our uh, first Woo Sox pod on the Fenway Rundown, and we have Chris Smith, uh, my co-beat writer at Mass Live, joining us. He's very excited for baseball in Worcester, like a lot of other people, because he is the type of guy that loves and to go watch prospects, and uh, it'll make it a little easier now that they are right in central Massachusetts. So, uh, you know, we just heard from Katie and Matt about Polar Park, about kind of the preparation under that's underway there in Worcester, and now we're going to hear from Chris about some of the players who actually are going to be there during the season. So obviously injuries can change this in the next couple of weeks. Uh, if there's anybody gets called up to the Red Sox, this could change a little bit, but generally uh, these are the guys that you're going to see in Worcester this season. And Chris, I'll, I'll say just speaking generally, I think it's a pretty exciting group, a few prospects, a few major league veterans, a bunch of players who if you followed the Red Sox last year. Uh, unfortunately, they're triple A caliber players who were in the majors and now um, they're kind of back to triple A where uh, a lot of them belong. So a lot of recognizable names in this roster. and I think a lot of talent. Yeah. I mean, you got Jeter Downs, who's the you know number two prospect in the system. Um you know, the guy that they got for Mookie Betts, you've got Jaron Duran, who everybody knows about, um, really good speed, and he added power. So, um, yeah, I mean, then there's obviously Tanner Houck and Connor Stiebel. Uh Tanner Houck, a lot of people think he should be with the Red Sox uh, and not down at the alternate site um, after his four awesome starts, you know, to his major league career. Um, and then, you know, Connor Stiebel is an interesting guy. who's was throwing harder. Um you know, at, at spring training, he's the guy that they got for with Nick Pavetta for Brandon Workman and Heath Ember. So uh, let's just take it position by position, keep it simple and, and start with the pitchers. Obviously, you know, the headliner of this group is Tanner Houck. He's a guy that you know, we've now seen pitch four times or I guess five times technically in the majors, four starts and a relief appearance the other night. 
Um, and he's been really good. The Red Sox still think he needs some development, so he'll be in Worcester. And then, as you mentioned, Connor Seabold. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that Houck is going to be in Worcester long. That's my prediction. I think, you know, based on how well he's pitched in the majors, that'll probably be the case. But it seems like Seabold's a guy who could anchor that rotation in Worcester for a little bit. Yeah, um, so Seabold's best pitches is change up, um, but, you know, his fastball had more velocity on it, and, you know, and um, his breaking ball was, uh, you know, better in, in, um, in the, at the alternate site. So, um, yeah, he's an interesting guy. He was obviously traded here with Nick Pavetta, and he's a guy that we could see in the Red Sox rotation long term. Um, you know, he's, he really has an, you know, an understanding of pitching. Um, and that's one thing that Moom has always talked about is, you know, since they traded for him is his ability to, you know, how to, how to, you know, um, you know, get hitters out, how to know how to get hitters out to understand what his pitch mix is, you know, to, to, um, you know, frustrate hitters. And now the stuff in camp now, obviously, they're small sample sizes because they're an inning, you know, but he was throwing 95, 96 miles per hour. And that gives more separation with the changeup, which is his best pitch. Uh, so he's definitely a guy to, that should be exciting to watch. Um, you know, he messes with the timing of, of hitters, uh, hitters timing. And um, yeah, he's just a, an interesting guy uh, that could be with the Red Sox, you know, long-term in that starting rotation. Rounding out the rest of that rotation, a few familiar names to Red Sox fans. Ryan Weber is there, Kyle Hart, Matt Hall, a bunch of guys that were, you know, the, the first lines of defense last year. And now, as we've talked about before on the show, they're really farther down the depth chart and, and they'll be in Worcester in the rotation. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think that those guys are, are great and everything, but, uh, you know, that the two guys you really want to see is Seabold and, and Hauk. And, and, you know, an interesting thing with Hauk is, is that, you know, they talk about how he needs to develop his split-fingered fastball, and that's why they're sending him to the alternate training site, you know, especially against left-handers. So he has a third pitch against left-handers. But, you know, he's been actually really good against left-handers. Uh, you know, going into that relief outing, uh, um, and I'm not sure I didn't watch that relief outing. I know he finally gave up uh, after uh, hitters were 0 for 19 against his slider. He finally gave up a hit against that pitch. Mm -hmm. But um, left-handers are only like, you know, 4 for 28, I think, going into that out as, into his relief outing the other day. So in his four starts. So... I asked Heim about that. Like, can he get away with two pitches? Because, you know, Heim was with Tampa when Chris Archer basically threw two seamer, four seamer, and, and um, slider. We've seen Justin Masterson, you know, be a two pitch pitcher as a starter and be successful. It's not a conventional thing to do, uh, but he has used the slider to get left handed, um, to get left handed hitters out. So, I mean, I think the important thing for Hauk is to go down there and, um, you know, figure out the split finger, just throw it more and be yeah. comfortable with it because I'm sure he's only throwing it two or three times a game in his outings yeah. so far. And that's, you know, and it's a pitch that he started throwing, I believe, uh, in later in 2019. So he needs to start trusting it more. Um, as you said, there's Ryan Weber down there. There's, there's Matt, Matt Hall. Some of these guys are your, your depth starter options that were, you know, in the rotation to start last year, Weber and Hall, I think were in the rotation right. to start last year. And so um, they're way down on the depth chart now. I mean, you've mm -hmm. got 
you know, Hauk, you've got Seabolt, um, you would have had Mata if he hadn't gotten injured. So they're yep. way down on the depth chart as, as opposed to, oh, even Andres is ahead of them too. And Whitlock probably. And Whitlock. So it's like, you know, so you'll see some of these guys who, you know, helped the Red Sox get a, uh, a couple of guys to help the Red Sox get the fourth overall pick in the draft. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and, and Brian Brian Mott is an interesting guy to mention there. He's still in Fort Myers as he rehabs from a, a slight tear of his UCL. Um, unclear, you know, when he'll pitch in games this year. If he does, uh, I'm sure uh, Worcester will be um, a, a possibility for him. Moving on to the bullpen, there's uh, kind of an interesting mix here, as there usually are in AAA bullpens, of some veteran guys. Uh, Hector Rondon, guy who with the Cubs, the Astros, a few teams, he's he's expected to be in that bullpen mix. Um, there's going to be Colton Brewer, who uh, he's going to be up and down, you know, with the Red Sox and the Blue Sox a lot. Um, he didn't make the team out of spring training. Kevin McCarthy, another guy who was in that boat, barely didn't make the team. Um, Caleb Simpson, Seth Blair, a couple guys that they had last year. Steven Gonsalves. Steven Gonsalves, <laughs> who they uh, <laughs> a f- former Twins top prospect, um, Marcus Walden, a guy that was big in 2019. But but the one name I want to focus on here is Chris Smith's favorite player, Edward Bizardo, uh, who is uh, a guy that Chris really thinks is going to be able to help the Red Sox this year. He impressed at times during camp, and and for now he's on the Woo Sox roster as well. Yeah, I mean I don't see why he shouldn't be able to. Um, you know his fastball is you know, mid 90s now. And he's got the the best spin. He had the best spin of all the pitchers on his curveball in uh, in spring training camp. Now, what what does that say? Um, well, you know, Colton Brewer has great spin. He hasn't, you know, had oodles of success in the majors. So you, ha- you know, they have good spin and everything. It's not all about good spin, but mm-hmm. um, if you're placing the ball. And you're throwing it, you know, 95-2 with the with the the fastballs 95, and he's placing the the curveball. Um, you know that spin comes into play, and so um, you know I look at him as a guy that really can help out. Uh, you know, and I think down the road he'll be a guy that will help out. You know, late in innings. Uh, you know, he's potentially in closure candidate with Hernandez and a couple other guys in the future. Uh, so yeah, I, I like him a lot. Um, he works hard. He, he gained a bunch of muscle, and you know he he was down when coronavirus struck last year. He went to the Dominican Academy. He's from Venezuela, but a bunch of Venezuelan players went to the Dominican Academy to train, and he. Uh, so so they were pretty much on their own. There was they they couldn't do set you know routines and everything, and he was pretty much on his own to do what he he wanted and. Uh, you know, he really hit the weight room hard and, you know, long toss. And that's how you get velocity, right? It's like you see all these, uh, you know, interesting uh, drills that that for young kids now that they've got mm-hmm. them doing. And I see it all the time on, on Facebook because Jeff Fry, the former Red Sox, always is kind of making fun of the different drills. But really a great thing to do to get velocity is just long toss. And that's what he did. And he, that's how he added to his, his, you know, his velo. And that's really how you build up arm strength. So, um, yeah, I think he's good. I, I really like him. Another couple guys we won't go into too in-depth, but I just want to mention because this is contractually obligated when you have Chris Smith on. Mike Schwarren, still in the Red Sox organization, and uh, and Bobby Pointer are also a couple names that have been in the majors that 
um, you know, are, are in Worcester and, and could be on the roster come opening day in May. We'll get to the catchers. A couple of veteran guys that are probably the first line of defense. Um, if something happens long term, I would guess uh, to Vasquez or Plawecki. Those are Jet Bandy and Chris Herman, a couple uh, former major leaguers. But really the intriguing guy here is Connor Wong acquired in the Mookie Betts trade, as I think everybody agrees, the third piece. But he's a guy that the Red Sox really are surprisingly high on you know he was really thought of as almost a throw-in in that trade but um he's really impressed throughout his entire time in the organization uh he has the ability to play other positions though the red Sox are, are seeing what they can do with him at catcher um alex core repeatedly said they're really impressed with what he showed during spring training Sox prospects that has him as the number 25 prospect in the system um it seems like he's a guy that uh is going to be a big leaguer at some point too yeah, they really like him. And, you know, there's Cora kept mentioning, you know, his ability to just slow the game down. And, uh, you know, on the defensive side, they really like his defense. And he's a guy that I think, I think he played mostly shortstop, you know, in college. He went to the University of Houston um, and played a lot of shortstop and, and some different positions and maybe some third base in there. I don't know, but he wasn't a full time catcher. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so, he didn't become a full-time catcher until he was drafted and he's really uh, taken to catching. Well, I mean, he's really looks like a good, he could be a solid defensive catcher. He's doing the one, one knee down stance, which is the big thing in the Red Sox organization right now. I even saw Vasquez do it the other day. And, yep. um, and <clears throat> he's got a good arm. I mean, I think he threw out like, you know, 45, 50%, maybe it was 52%, I think, of base dealers when at double A in 2019. And so um, he's got a good arm. He's got that ability. And he also hits for power, or I should just say extra base power. I mean, he's going to hit some home runs, but, you know, he's got some pop. Uh, the thing that concerns me a little bit with him is the strikeout rate. Uh, you know, it was high. Strikeout rate was high at double A. And it's been high times throughout his, his minor league career. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's, that's just something with, you know, it seems like a lot of young hitters nowadays, um, you know, so he's just got to kind of control the strike zone as Alex Gore would say. And, you know, he could be a very interesting guy that's, you know, is a starter or a, a backup to uh, Christian Vasquez in the future. And obviously it's early, but how do you think the Woo Sox will use him? Do you think he's the starter and Bandy and Herman are backing up or how do you see that playing out? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess he would get the majority starts cause they want to develop them, but you know, mm-hmm. they, they switch things off. Like, you know, they'll put these catchers in DH roles sometimes and, yeah. You know, so they find it bats for you in the minor leagues for everybody. But yeah, I'm sure he'll play a plenty. And um, I was actually surprised. I thought he'd start in Double A, and I guess there might be an opportunity that he would still go to Double A if you yeah, know, there is. He starts, but um, yeah. So I mean, they have those other two catchers. Um, obviously, are you know long as you said, they're they're long term roster depth. If you know something happens to Vasquez or Pilecki if there's any short-term thing where they just need a catcher for a couple of days up with the Red Sox, it's going to be Connor Long. Yep. Right. And Ronaldo Hernandez also on the 40 man roster 
prospect acquired from the Rays, but it seems like he's he's more likely to start at at Double A. And again, these this is just the alternate site roster as currently constructed. The Woo Sox roster when the season begins on May fourth might look a little bit different. A few of these guys could be cha- uh, switched around and maybe start in Portland. A couple guys could be added, but in general, these are the types of guys that will be coming through uh, Polar Park this year. The infield I think is the most fascinating mix for this group. It's names that have had major league success it's and then obviously uh, a top prospect in that list so just you know running it down pretty quickly uh michael chavis is there after not making the team Jeter downs one of the top prospects in the system is there um and, and most likely will start the year with the woo Sox. jonathan arauz who was with the red Sox all of last year as a rule five pick and a guy in, and jaro munoz who was a uh really good player for the Red Sox for about a week last year and then got hurt and didn't make the team again. But even on top of those guys, some interesting names, Josh Ockamy, a guy who's been in the organization forever, uh, Chad De La Guerra, who you wrote about uh, during spring training. It's a really deep and, and talented infield mix for a triple A team headlined, obviously by uh, Chavis and down. So, um, you know, in terms of star power, I think if, if, he is able to open the season there having a guy like Michael Chavis who Red Sox fans automatically know from the last two years is, is a pretty big get for the Woo Sox. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, it is, and uh, you know, it should be interesting, you know, how he takes to that, um, how he, how he acts at the alternate site. He was going to do a, a press conference, I guess on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but then he went on the taxi squad, so he didn't do it. So if he's, you know, doing press conferences and everything, he's he's got a good attitude, you know, yeah. wants to work on, uh, you know, wants to work on the, the adjustments that he has to make, which are, you know, pitches up in the strike zone and, and different things and controlling the strike zone, both up and down. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I look at him and that obviously that would be a fan favorite. Then you've got our Roos who – you know, I look at this guy and what he did with the Red Sox last year when he played, mm-hmm. um, he looked like he was a much better hitter. I know he's, a good, you know, he's no, he was no more for his defense at first last year and coming in as a defender, a mate, you know, they, they said a major league ready defender, but you know, the bat lags a little bit behind, but I saw a lot of potential with the bat. Um, you know, he's, he's a bigger guy physically and, you know, he can hit. So, um, and he's still very young and let's just remember that he only played like a half a season in double a right before, maybe not even, um, he played, you know, high a and double a, uh, before the Red Sox got him in the rule five draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, and he's, he's still 22, going to be 23 this year and has yeah. a full season or, you know, a full 60 game season of major league experience under his belt, 25 games last year for the Red Sox hit 250 with a homer, nine RBI, 644 OPS. I think that performance is better than anybody could have expected from him. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, I think Renicky even admitted it, um, you know, down, down the line. They were playing him a lot when he was hot, and then they just stopped playing him because, you know, they had other guys that they wanted to get in there. Right, they wanted to see Arroyo and Chavis. And- exactly, and then once that happened, you know, in this time, in the, in the few starts that he did get, he didn't hit well, you know, mm-hmm. which – isn't a surprise. Right. And so, um, you know, I look at him as, as a, as an interesting guy that could, you know, really could use a year of development in the minor leagues. I know, and and could be an important, you know, versatile player for the Red Sox in the future. Downs is obviously the big name of this group. Um, you know, he's got power. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a really good defender. He's, he's, 
potentially the second baseman of the future. Um, that's, I think, how everybody views him right now is that they, you know, they would like him to to step into that role and do what, you know, Dustin Pedroia did, start in that start that position long term for the Red Sox. Um, you know, and then there's other guys. You know, Akami's an interesting guy. Hits, uh, you know, tremendous against right-handed pitching, and he's a very likable guy. Everybody really loves him, and so he should be a guy that fans, you know tend to like a lot um you know he'll probably be very friendly with the fans and sign a lot of autographs i hope alchemy doesn't hear this because now he has to sign autographs <laughs> yeah well, it's not, first of all it's not even allowed in the covid era but oh yeah that's true all right yeah. so now well, eventually he, he will eventually. eventually he will eventually uh but yeah so i mean he's a good guy that fans will like and you know he's always smiling chad delaguerre another guy that you know he had like a, a 901 ops for the Kentucky Red Sox in 2019. So this is a guy that can hit and he's older. He's This is going to be his final year before he hits minor league free agency. But he's a guy that really is a tough guy that, you know, has worked hard to get where he's at. So he's another guy that could be a fan favorite. And and as you said, Downs is the headliner there and he's the headliner really of this projected roster. You're looking at Sox, Sox prospects, four of the top nine prospects uh, in the system. That's Downs, Duran, who we'll get to in a second. Hauk and Seabold are projected for Worcester, and it's really four out of eight because Bobby Dahlbeck still has prospect eligibility, according to to them, and and that's uh, not going to last for long. And and Mata's right in that list too, and he could be there at some point as well as Thad Ward, who we won't get to, but I know is another uh, Chris Smith favorite. Moving to the outfield, the final group we'll talk about uh, it's it's Jaron Duran and a lot of spare parts, obviously, but. Um, Michael Geddes, the guy you wrote about in spring training, Cesar Pueo and Marcus Wilson. Pueo has some major experience. Marcus Wilson's acquired in the Blake Swihart trade. But this outfield group starts and ends with Duran. And um, I know we've talked about this before, but he's, he's a guy that if you are in the Worcester area, you might want to try to see in May or June because that might be your last chance. Yeah, I mean, his speed is just so exciting right there. Um, you know, that catches everybody's eyes, you know, right off the bat. And his success at Lowell and in high A and, you know, in double A the past few years was built on, or the past, I think he was a 2018 draft pick. So in 2009, 2018, 2019, it was his success offensively was really, you know, predicated on speed and his ability to, uh, you know, run off, run out balls in the infield, get infield hits, turn doubles into, you know, singles into doubles, doubles into triples when he hit the ball to the outfield. Now he's added this power element, and they made some adjustments with his swing. Um, they they saw that this was a guy I talked to, you know, this guy that scouted him in, in college, and you know they they always looked at this guy as, as somebody that could hit for power. Um, they just needed to get him in the system and you know change up a few things with his swing, make a few tweaks. And you look at him, and so he's you know physically he's huge, right? He's the big guy. His father mm-hmm. lifts a Jacked. lot of weights. His father lifts weights, and so he gets that from his father. He works out like crazy. Uh, he's a workout machine, and, you know, he, he's very athletic. So, you know, this is a guy that has the potential to, you know, hit for hit for power, run for speed, and be an above-average defensive center fielder. However, you know, that's the thing that they need to improve on too right there is, is you know, getting him on his reads, his routes, different things in the outfield uh his defense isn't there yet 
and um, but his speed can make him an uh, you know an above average defender. And he was a second baseman in college, so like you know Connor Wong, he only became an, a full time outfielder. He only actually became a full time outfielder in 2019 because when he was with Lowell, he he did you know play some second base. I think he started more games at second base than anything his first year in 2018. So you know this is a guy that just has been playing you know. Um, center field basically for a year because there was no 2000, mm-hmm. 2020 season and uh you know he, he was really impressive in the puerto rican um you know uh final series um you know hit for power showed some good defense so yeah i mean he's the guy that everybody should go want to go down and watch so D- downs and duran those are the names to remember if you're trying to get to polar park early in this season uh obviously delayed a little bit but but, but by mid-may um the Woo Sox will be finally playing at their home at polar park that's chris smith we'll have plenty of Woo Sox and of course red Sox coverage because that's our main job coming throughout the season that's been the family rundown